we'll uh, get started this morning. We uh, we have a quorum, and uh, Mike, I think, since Peter called in, he's stuck in traffic. Yeah. Senator Verdon, good morning. Good morning, sir. <laughs> well, if you want to go to sleep, just lie down in your chair. We never know it. Okay. We'll, we'll get started this morning. Uh, a pretty short agenda, but see where it takes us. First of all, St. Embry, welcome to the committee. Welcome to the Absolutely, yes, sir. One announcement, and then we'll get started. I've been working on the subcommittee assignments, just about finished those. Uh, I think I'll finish today, and staff will get them to your office, let you see where you'll be working. Okay. The, uh, with that list of subcommittees, it will be a schedule for Senate budget deliberations. As you know, we... Uh, reduce the length of the session by about three weeks. It'll take a lot of work. It may take some night time. Don't know. We'll do what we got to do to get the job done. So with that, the first item on the agenda is under that one. There's a bill by Mr. Campbell. That was your subcommittee. You had you want to report to us? Yes, sir. I'd be happy to. Uh, this is a fairly simple bill. It's straightforward. What the bill does is to allow a person to maintain a special 4% assessment on their property, on an owner-occupied property, if they move to a nursing home. Or And we've got an amendment, Mr. Chairman, that would cover nursing homes and also uh, uh, the uh, uh, the. Uh, Assisted living. Assisted living. So we're trying to cover everything. But if a person has to go to a facility uh, that uh, move into their home for rehab or something along that line, they still maintain their 4% uh, assessment ratio on their owner-occupied home. Uh, the bill would allow them to, as we do with other legislation, to rent it up to 72 days a year and maintain that 4% assessment, which is what we would let uh, personal I mean, people that own their, their residence do. So we kept it in compliance and uh, with the rest of the state law. And so with the subcommittee, all that does, a subcommittee amendment would, would make it clear that it could go to both the uh, a community residential care facility, which would need nursing homes and assisted living facilities. So I would propose that we adopt it, mm. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman. Yes, sir. Senator. Senator, has this become an issue with somebody? I thought I, they got 4% we, anyway. Well, like, we, 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 we talked to the Association of Counties and and Josh is in the back of the room, and they don't oppose this. They thought this was the law anyway. We don't know if some overzealous uh, county assessor tried to make a change or what prompted the bill from Senator Young, but, but by and large, uh, uh, this protects it and goes forward with it. So I think the counties were okay. They're neutral with it. They don't support it or back it, but they thought this was the law anyway. Chairman. Shaheen. Subcommittee Chair, just real quick, it seems to me, I want to know, are we dealing with two problems here that are trying to be solved? One is a question of whether if you live in a nursing home or a assisted living, you can still get the 4%. But then there seems to be some language that says that 
something about reapplying, and I'm not exactly sure how that works. We, you, so. don't, uh, you don't have to reapply. The, the original bill that Senator Young had uh, asked you had to reapply if you moved into an assisted living or a nursing home. Uh, you don't reapply now once you get to 4%. Uh, you just keep getting place. it, right? You keep getting it, so you don't have so, to reapply or anything, right? Why now. do we need that language? Or are we changing that language? Where we it change says, that language in the amendment. We're so. not have that who's unable to reapply. That's yes, gone. We, we change it in the amendment so that you don't have to reapply. So now it just clarifies that even if you live in a nursing home or an assisted living facility, you can still get the 4%. Correct. That's correct. As long as you're not renting it more than 70-something days. Well, 72 days a year, which is would allow personal residences to be rented 72 days a year and maintain the 4% assessment ratio. It's, it lets you do the same thing if you were a normal resident. Okay, thank you. Alexander. Mr. Chairman, I, and I appreciate the bill because I am aware of some situations where folks have gone in there and it has not been clear, and I think this will provide the clarity that needs to be provided for those individuals. Anyone else? Move favorable report, Mr. Chairman. Are you moving it uh, favorable on, as a, on the on the amendment? We, well, I think we need to adopt the amendment and then a favorable report right. on the bill as amendment. Any objection to adopting the amendment? Hearing none, it's adopted. And now you move the favorable report on the bill as amended, Mr. Chairman. Okay. We have a uh, recommendation from subcommittee, favorable report as amended. Anyone have any comments or questions? Any objections? Hearing none, it's adopted. The next one on our agenda is, flip over to it, Senator uh, Campson has income tax bracket inflation protection. And that was uh, Senator Cromer. Yes, sir. And uh, Mr. Chairman, let uh, Mr. Parks, he does a good job at letting me explain this uh, okay. inflation. Inflation uh, tax bracket creep. Uh, yeah, Mr. Chairman, I think it's behind tab two in your notebooks, S46, um, and it is designed to do as uh, entitled, and that is an attempt to uh, protect uh, taxpayers uh, from what tax experts call uh, bracket creep, where solely uh, when a constituent's a taxpayer's income goes up uh, at the rate of inflation, uh, but no nominal growth over and above that, uh, that they might otherwise inadvertently be uh, pushed into a higher uh, income tax bracket. I will note, Mr. Chairman, South Carolina is one of uh, a very few states relative to the nation that already, to some extent, uh, protects taxpayers from those inflationary effects. Right now, the adjustment is one half of inflation, capped at 4%. What this bill does uh, is uh, adjust that uh, for full inflation with an amendment that was proposed by subcommittee that's in your packet, which does exactly that, but Mr. Chairman maintains the overall 4% uh, cap. Yes, sir, uh, Mr. Chairman. Uh, and as w the bill was written by the sponsor, Senator Kemp's, and um, as Mr. Parks just alluded to, it didn't have a cap on it, and we felt like we really should put a cap on it, so we amended it at 4%. So the uh, subcommittee would like to uh, recommend favorable to the floor as amended. Any comments or questions? 
If not, any objection to a favorable report to the floor as amended? If not, it's adopted. Next one is the Alexander Subcommittee. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Um, um, I'll have Angie explain this. This is dealing with the state health plan eligibility, and it just brings, um, rather than having to be done on a case-by-case -case basis where we list out folks, if, they're, if they meet the criteria, they will, but I'm going to ask Angie to give a further explanation of that, sir. Okay. Yes, sir, Mr. Chairman. As Senator Alexander explained, S60, uh, S61 sponsored by Senator Hutto, it amends current statute to provide a universal local government eligibility, eligibility provision for the state health and dental plans. As Senator Alexander explained, the current statute includes a listing of entities that are eligible to participate, and this section has been amended a number of times to include specific organizations. S61 was drafted in consultation with PEBA to provide a catch-all provision rather than continuing the amendments for individual entities. The language also ensures that only governmental entities will be eligible to participate in the plan, and it maintains the governmental plan status and compliance with federal regulations. The language also provides consistency between insurance and retirement programs, as currently there are some local entities that are eligible to participate in retirement and deferred comp programs that are not able to participate in the insurance plans because they're not specifically listed in the current statute. The bill will have no fiscal impact. PEBA must charge an actually sound amount of premiums to cover the additional expenses for each subdivision that becomes eligible to join the plans. Subcommittee recommendation is a favorable report. Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. And I think Angie might have touched on just her last statement. My question that I had was, will this legislation have any adverse impact on the larger plan? Mr. Chairman, I, I can speak to that. It will not because even, and, and thank you for bringing that question up because that, that's something I wanted to reiterate. Each, each entity now is rated on its own basis and has to be actuarially sound within their own component from that standpoint. So it will be consistent with, with that law that they have to be experienced on their own, own, um, uh, their own experience rather than the overall plan. So there will be no fiscal impact to, to the plan itself. Okay, thank you. Um, and I have one more question, Mr. Chairman. Will this legislation increase liabilities for retiree health insurance, otherwise known as other post-employee benefits, OPEB? Um, Mr. Chairman, Angie may want to speak to that, but it's my understanding the way that is that uh, there would be no, no impact from that standpoint because either the employee, the retiree, or that entity makes, makes those payments. So if the entity does not make those payments, then it would be up to the, to the retiree from that standpoint. Okay. Thank you. I could ask staff um, two questions. Is, is Do we define a political subdivision, say, of South Carolina and or governmental agency or instrument, instrumentality? And then do you know if some of the counties and cities set up uh, other entities? So I'm at least familiar with them setting up 501c3s where they govern them. Would this then include them, or are they already included? Currently, they have to be listed specifically to be included. But if they meet this definition that they're an instrumentality of the subdivision, then right. they would be. So do we know if we're going to capture any that aren't already covered? That would, is really 
So that's the question. We are going to capture some who aren't already covered, or we don't know. Rob, if you want I see Rob Chester with people with us. Rob, come up and answer Senator's question, if you would. Yes, Senator, there, there are two groups that we're aware of now that will be captured that do not fall under the current statute. One, I think county economic development alliances, I think is one, and another, there's, I believe in York County, uh, there are fire districts that have been established by the county. Now, fire districts in the current statute says special purpose fire districts created by the General Assembly. So with a literal reading, those do not fall in now. So those would be included okay. with the new. And and I'm fine with that, and I suspect there's going to be some others out there that you're not yet aware of. Uh, I just want to make sure that, I guess, actuarially or financially, that you are telling me that that's fine. We're, we're as what uh, staff said earlier, we're confident that that's okay. Very good. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Our, it was reported out favorably by our subcommittee, and we move that to be reported out favorably to the floor. You've heard Senator's recommendation. I have a motion and a second. Any opposition? Hearing none, reported out favorable. Okay, that finishes, I think. So. Thank you.